Hi, welcome to the Business Vitality Podcast. I am your host, Katherine Canty. You can learn more about me and my team at KatherineCanty.com. For more than two decades, I have been able to travel the country and help other people grow their business. From those experiences, I was able to work with a proposal team that generated success 90% of the time for over a decade. We have created a leadership coaching program that is creating 100% measured results as seen by the leaders, peers, and stakeholders. And finally, I have spent nearly a decade in boardrooms, corporate boardrooms, where we are learning what's working and what's not. And more importantly, we're able to take the communication from the boardroom and get it down to the front line so execution is easier to implement. You know, from all these experiences, we created a framework called Business Vitality. These are all of the best practices of leaders and and opportunities that have been coming up decade after decade. And a lot of this stuff has been in practice for more than 20 years, 30 years and beyond. And what we're learning is a lot of these folks that are remaining vital in business today are having to think differently. And to share a quote from one of my CEOs that I've worked with in the past, he told me all day long he can hire folks, but what he needs more of are people who think outside the box. So in an effort to pay it forward and celebrate successes, we are going to be sharing stories of leaders who are thinking differently and remaining vital in business today. Please stick to the end and we will share how you can be a guest on the show. And thanks so much for being here. Scott Savage, you are the managing director of Franklin Covey found on the web at franklincovey.com. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. I'm just delighted to be here with you, Catherine. Yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. You're just a few hours away from me. You're in Greenville, South Carolina, of all places. That's where I grew up. So um, it was definitely not that, um, did not have that many restaurants when I was growing up there. So I know you're probably having a nice visit just up the road from me. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I was out here with a client yesterday working with them and post-pandemic, I guess, uh, more and more of my clients are saying, please come out and visit with us. We want to be in person. So it's yes. great. And you're right. There are all kinds of good food out here. I noticed yeah. as I was driving around. That's awesome. Yeah, it's good to be on the other side of the pandemic and beginning to get out and, and go see folks face to face. You know, before we get into this, do you mind telling me, Scott, kind of at a high level about Franklin Covey and the work that the business is doing? Sure. Be happy to. Franklin Covey, uh, was founded originally by Stephen, Stephen R. Covey, uh, one of the most well-known uh, business consultants. He wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And uh, back in the early 90s, uh, they reached out to me and said, hey, come join us. And I said, wow, what are you doing? And at the time, they were helping uh, some of the largest organizations, uh, both government and privately held businesses around the world, develop leaders. And uh, so that's uh, been a real highlight of, of our company. How do we make leaders great? And particularly in a, in a world like now where we have a world of change, we've also spent quite a bit of time around how to help people be more productive. Uh, there's another area in our business where we focus on business execution. Uh, how do we help people execute well? And I, I think the other thing that's been fun is we actually do a lot in education. Uh, we have uh, from the seven habits, we do a program called Leader in Me, 
which is used by schools uh, K through 12 primarily around the world to help them be learn leadership function and uh, become a leader themselves. And so all of that, and then in 1999, we started what we call the sales performance practice, which is where I spend most of my time helping sales leaders and sales teams around the world uh, grow their business. That sounds exciting. Thank you for sharing that. Do you mind talking a little bit about the, the sales performance practice piece? Because it sounds like this is near and dear to your heart. And you know, before we hit record, I shared that some folks, they get a, they get a little nervous about the word sales. And in my brain, I think of sales as just a way to be able to help other people accomplish what they're trying to go for. Um, and so I think, you know, if you're helping people with, with performance and, and putting practice in place, it could be a really great win-win opportunity. But in your words and, and your role, what is that like today? Well, Catherine, I think you nailed it in, as far as we're concerned. We have built our practice around the idea of helping clients succeed. What's important to them? What are they trying to do and accomplish? And how can you help them? And so it really starts with this uh, spirit of intent, that if our intent is to really help a client succeed and we're focused on their needs, um, selling really is helping as opposed to, you know, I've got something I have to close or, you know, I need to sell so much in, in my product or services. Now, we all, uh, for those who are in selling, um, we all have quotas and targets and things we want to hit. And even in, in regular business, we're all trying to grow. And, uh, but we believe that's done through really focused on a customer-centric uh, view of helping them get what they need done. And so we built this whole practice around that and have helped uh, technology companies, consulting firms, products companies, all types of different sellers and teams get focused on what their clients need, understand that, and then be able to advocate uh, our solutions and approaches that we believe would actually help them. And then they have the ability to make a choice of whether or not that's a good fit. And if it is, we'll hopefully have a great long-term relationship. And if not, uh, maybe find some places where we could help others. So it's all based on what you just said. It's about helping as opposed to selling. Yeah, it definitely takes the heat off of it and um, truly just being able to, to serve and, and to be able to support other people. And you also mentioned about the education piece in the K through 12. And, you know, this audience is business leaders and CEOs, but as, as leaders within our business and within our communities, we're also showing and teaching leadership at home. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're raising a lot of the future leaders that, that are, around us and they're watching and they're not necessarily, um, they, it may not be a lesson every day, but they're watching behaviors. And mm -hmm. I would be curious to hear, do you mind touching on the, the K through 12 piece? Because I think getting leadership and, and, um, and just the, the right skill set at these young leaders hands at an earlier age can actually, you know, help the rest of us down the road. So I'd be curious to hear what you guys are doing around that. Happy, happy to share what, you know, could you imagine when you were in first grade or, you know, I don't know, sixth grade or maybe middle school, if everyone in your school was focused on how to be more effective mm -hmm. and what we could do to take responsibility for our lives and our decisions and our choices, as opposed to blaming others. And, um, and really beginning with the principle of 
begin with the end in mind, having a vision of what's possible and learning how to, how to take that vision and put it to action by putting first things first. Could you imagine that? I, I would have died to have had someone teach me those principles and help me to understand how to put them to work. And uh, I, I, it would just be thrilling. The second part that we teach, in addition to individual effectiveness, is how do you work well and how do you lead others? And it's all, it, it moves from this idea of a private victory of taking responsibility and being able to get things done in a productive way and moves it up into what we call the public victory, which is about how do you create win-win opportunities and outcomes for each other by first seeking to understand before you're understood and then finding ways to synergize those ideas and come up with better answers than just a compromise and how do you how do you sharpen the saw and make all those things work? So how do you how are you more effective individually? How can you actually uh, work better together in teams? You know, today's environment it's all about teams. Um, you know, whether they're virtual or in person, how are you um, able to be a, an outstanding contributor to that team? And then how do you work well with others? And uh, so imagine K through twelve. All your peers are, are learning how to do those very things. And we see it really change the lives of both the student, the, the teacher relationships, and even greater learning across the board because they're taking more responsibility for their learning. I think it's fantastic. And some of the things that you just said at the beginning of not blaming others and, and to be able to think about that in first grade, like just go ahead and start training the brain to start thinking about solutions and not the problems. and then. Um, gosh, something that just keeps coming back up and up again with business owners is, you know, are you thinking with the end in mind? Like begin with that end in mind. Like what is this goal that you're trying to accomplish? And are you trying to create just another job or do you want to create a business? And if it's if it's the business, then what's the end goal? And how are we going to reverse engineer get and get to it? So exactly. to be able to teach, you know, younger leaders this, and um, and to be able to to be able to create influence at that younger age, I, I think it can just escalate the effectiveness of business and community leadership um, selfishly, you know, and, you know, we would benefit from it. So it, it's not such a bad thing to just start talking about this stuff at, at a younger age. I agree. I, I think it um, it rolls through the school to individual families, to neighborhoods, to the community at large. And as we have uh, more and more of our youth, uh, you know, growing to young adult and, and adults and uh, really being able to uh, be much more productive and, and to work well together in solving problems and uh, coming together with win-win solutions. It's a challenging world out there, but if you could start young with that mindset and the ability and the skills to hone those while you're going through school, um, they just seem to be very practical life skills for them. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And, you know, a lot of times this, this entails having to think differently. And I've, people have heard me talk about the importance of, you know, we've got to all think a little bit differently and bring something to the table because there's going to be benefit to that. And you have a, a new book that's out and it's called Strikingly Different uh, Selling, Six Vital Skills to Stand Out and Sell More. So before I, I begin to ask questions, you know, if we 
if we take the words selling out, which I think it's an important word, but you know, being able to help more and, and be able to, to help solve problems that our clients are having, um, do you mind just starting to talking about you know, strikingly different and what does that mean? And, and what are these six vital skills that, that you write about? Do you mind sharing that with us? Happy to, absolutely happy to. You know, one of the things that we've learned is um, in today's world, it may be one of the toughest times ever to be able to stand out, uh, to have your products, your services, what you do as an organization uh, actually stand apart. In fact, we did some research in the last few years with a company called Primary Intelligence. Teaming up with them, we looked at 14,500 different decision-making bodies and um, well over 42% of the time, the decision makers could not tell the difference between the different buy, uh, vendors. And, um, and that's a classic thing right now. We've all got uh, wonderful products and services, and yet it's difficult for the buyer oftentimes to be able to tell the difference. And so this, this book was put together with the full intent to help you stand out so you can sell more, have your products stand out, have your uh, services stand out in such a way. And you, even as a seller, as an individual, to be able to stand out as someone that they could uh, choose as, if necessary, as a trusted advisor to help them accomplish what they need to uh, get done. So um, it's, I think, come at a very vital time uh, right now as this pandemic starts to shift. We have an opportunity to reach more and more customers in person as well as virtually. I think the virtual environment is going to continue. So how do you stand out in this virtual environment? How do you stand out when you're proposing work and uh, or a product? And uh, so the spirit of uh, this book is to help you do that. I think that's fantastic. Tell me, you know, what you, you listen or list six vital skills. What are a few that just kind of continue to, to come up for discussion as you meet with people? Well, you know, it's interesting as you think about standing out all the way through a buying cycle of a customer, uh, whether it's a formal uh, cycle where it's going to take months to work through or it's just a quick interaction. One of the first things you've got to be able to do is capture attention. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in addition to that, be able to create some interest. And we live in a three-second world nowadays, and you've got to be able to, to clearly be able to articulate um, where your benefits are and capture their attention so they'd want to lean forward and uh, understand where we're coming from. Uh, we, we, we like uh, the film industry here. Um, as you look at movie trailers today, um, for years, that's what you looked at in order to decide whether I'm going to spend two hours watching a film, whether it's on a streaming system or in the theater. And we've been able to find simple ways to move from the old, you know, kind of divorce yourself from the old elevator spit, uh, uh, you know, pitch that people had in the 90s and really have a, an incredible movie trailer that helps people see where they're at today and where they could be tomorrow and to generate a dialogue and a conversation. You know, when it's all said and done, uh, we, we love to teach how to advocate and, and, you know, how your products and services could really help. But the difference that really matters is the difference that the client sees. So if we can help them see how they'll be different and better, it's not, as, it's not so much about 
us being different. It's how together we can help them become different. I think that's helpful. And I think I'm working with a client now and they're, they're talking about kind of bringing the next um, executive management layer coming in. And part of doing that is they're learning how to kind of find their voice for these presentations to be able to stand out, but still be on their own two feet. Um, I think they've been challenged in the past where they may have stood out too much. And then the sales declined as an impact because it was just too much of a, a, a flip upside down. So I feel like today, and I could be wrong, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. I feel like today we have to own who we are and find our own individual voice and be able to apply that in these meetings and discussions to be able to build that trust and build that relationship, but not go so far that we flipped it upside down and we're beginning to turn people off with too much. Um, and I don't know if, if there's maybe a fine line in there or you've seen some approaches that work better than others to be able to, to be your own you know, unique self. I live in South Carolina and, and just own that, you know, this is who I am and, and this is what I bring to the table. But I also partner with, you know, the business that I'm working with. And, and this is how I'm unique and, and, a, and a bit different with this business to serve your needs. Um, would you like to well, share? Catherine, sure. I, I love your thoughts there. The last thing that we want to lose is us, you know, our, our authenticity, our, you know, what makes you you. And, um, and so we want to keep that just as you stated uh, and be authentic. I think the thing that helps people to be more authentic is your focus on your customer, because mm-hmm. if you care about them and you're able to demonstrate that both in your messaging and your proposals and so forth, it, it will take a take you a long way. In fact, we found a formula that helps people be more strikingly different. We call it RDM. Uh, R stands for relevant, D stands for distinct, and M stands for memorable. Probably the easiest way to think about that is R would be what's relevant? What do they care the most about? And sometimes you come with a hypothesis or some thought leadership around what others are doing, but you've got to move off of even your own thinking and find out what matters most to them. Really understand what are their issues? What are they trying to do? What are their goals and objectives? And so at that point where your authenticity can then be brought to play in showing some distinction. So when you think about the D part of this and being distinct, we wanna create contrast. In fact, we wanna create compelling contrast. But the focus is less about me being contrasted, like you were saying, where that kind of runs into a brick wall sometimes, but more about where are they today and and contrast that to where they could be in the future and show how working together we can get them to be there. And then the memorable part is pretty simple. It's the idea of making it sticky. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's easy to share and hard to forget. If we can bring a message, whether it's internal, external, a product, a service, if we can make sure it's 100% relevant to them on their real needs and issues, not what we want, but what they want, show how they can be different and better, and say it in a way that it's short, tight, and to the point, it becomes much more memorable and more impactful for both the buyer as well as those we're trying to influence. Okay. I love that. And I love how you said at the end, it can be short and it can be impactful and Mm. memorable. And I, sometimes I've been, I have said this in the past, sometimes less words can have more impact. 
And I think that's just really important. And as I ramble on a little bit and not using less words, but the RDM example that you're sharing, this reminds me of a time when I was out meeting with a new client and I needed to be able to be relevant. And I wanted to listen to all of their concerns and needs that had not been addressed in the past. And I captured their language and I captured their experience. And because it was so numerous and overwhelming, um, I created a spreadsheet that we could both check in on and be able to have accountability as we began to go through this log of, of issues that they thought that they had and begin to break down the, the barrier content and, and be able to solve the problem. So um, it was definitely memorable for me to be able to go in there with, you know, 30 line items of like pretty heavy hitting stuff. Um, and to be able to go back to the home office and explain that this is the language barrier. This is the opportunity for us to be able to, to be able to work on this together and solve client issues. And, um, but to be able to do that, you know, we talked before this, this before I hit record and we talk about influence. And so sometimes you go back to the home office or to the operations center and you don't have direct lines of communication or you don't have direct lines of reporting. And so it creates an opportunity for influence to get some of these changes made. And um, I would love for you to, to just talk about, you know, influence with others and, and how, how that helps and how you can stand apart with, with ideas. If you don't sure. mind talking on that too. Well, uh, and by the way, congratulations, you did what so many sellers have a hard time doing. And that's listening, <laughs> asking great questions, not an interrogation, but asking great questions to really understand and then being able to come back with some answers that uh, would actually be meaningful to the customer. You know, when it comes to influence, um, I, I've always loved the simple idea that in order to influence, you need to be influenced first. You know, uh, a doctor, a great doctor wants to understand their patient. Great attorney wants to understand the case. Uh, you know, a great architect wants to understand the needs. You know, no matter where you go, there's a, there's a first creation and then a second creation, right? There's the understanding of what the needs are and what the possibilities are, and then being able to move them over and to put them into action. And so I think that uh, the simple idea of, of being influenced is uh, such an important aspect of any human relationship. And so um, if we're open to that, uh, we, we can start by, again, being much more relevant. Our messages, our thoughts, our goals, the way we suggest things are much more relevant. Um, and, and then, you know, in, in many client interactions, it needs to be a good dialogue. Uh, you know, one of the things that we found that was super interesting, Catherine, is we did six year study where we participated in 1,688 client meetings around the world. Uh, we, we worked with about 2,800 different sales consultants from all kinds of different com uh, companies. Most of them are some of the bigger companies you'd be familiar with. And these were their top salespeople. And so what we had the opportunity to do was to be there as a silent observer as they went through the sales cycle. But at the end of each meeting, we were able to ask uh, the seller, so how did you think the meeting went? And they would typically say things like, you know, I thought it was pretty good. You know, uh, no perfect meeting, but we had a good dialogue. I think they like our thought leadership or I think they like, you know, what we're suggesting. Uh, but I thought it was pretty good. Then we turn to the, uh, to the executive or the decision maker and say, so what did you think about that meeting? 
And they would, a, a good 70% of the time, they were thumbs down. They were actually saying, actually, that wasn't a good use of my time. So fascinating to that see what was going on. Unbelievable. And again, these are some of the top companies, top sellers in the world. It wasn't that they had failure meetings so much. As we started to push on the executives, they would say, I just didn't get the, the value I was hoping to get. You know, I was looking forward to this meeting. I was excited about it. I, and, and they would say, I answered questions as best I could. I think I gave them value, but I'm not sure I got the value. So whether this is a selling experience or whether this is an internal meeting or whatever the case may be, is there value going both directions? You know, do we understand enough that the values come here so that we can reinforce that value with the things we're sharing? And uh, so that, that, that research had a lot to do with these six skills, a lot to do with what do executives and buyers really care about? What helps them make good decisions? Because people make decisions based on differences, not on similarities. And so, so often we're focused on the similarities rather than the difference. I think that's, I think that's brilliant. And, you know, when you, 70% of people that from the buyer side just didn't see value in the meeting, that's a vital statistic that needs to be dug into. But what if we flip it upside down and focus on the 30% that found value? So the 30% that found value, they I wonder what sort of skills or what kind of interactions were taking place. I'm going to speculate that the buyer felt like they were heard or felt like there was some active listening that was taking place there that allowed them to feel like there was value of their time. Do you mind going into that if, if you sure. don't mind? So Catherine, it's, it is that. It is being heard. It is understanding so it could be relevant. But maybe the biggest miss was getting value the other direction. In other words, if I, if I were the customer and you asked great questions and we had a good dialogue there, that's, that's the first step. Seek first to understand, right? But there wasn't enough of being understood going the other way. In other words, the client was saying, I answered a lot of the questions, but I really wanted to hear how you, what you do would address those needs and help me along the way. And so it was really the back and forth it was more of creating dialogue, more than an inquisition. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was more of an exploration of uh, both parties, being able to share what was happening and, uh, and then being able to bring some good answers along the way. But the key really is how will that customer be better and different uh, as a result of working together with you? So as you can see, there's a balance of that. Some people want to jump in and do that right away. Uh, which is okay, but you have to make sure that you're asking enough questions. And on the flip side, you have to give, be giving good answers that are relevant as, as those times come. So how do we create that balance and become much more strikingly different? That's fantastic. And it, it sounds like the power of storytelling is, is obviously in there Huge. because the, the, the buyer, they need to hear the success stories that the, the solution provider, the seller is, is bringing to the table and how they've solved other problems in the past that were similar. But right. everybody, everybody knows that, that my problem is unique and no one else has a problem like me. But, you know, the, the client always loves to, to be able to say, well, you know, I'm a little different than everybody else. But, you know, of, of course, making it um, tailored to fit their, their particular needs. But sounds like the use of storytelling is key from 
Huge. from from the business or from the salesperson's aspect to be able to say, yeah, we have solved a problem similar to that um, in the past and being able to relate. Well, Catherine, 22, you, you can remember 22 times more information in when it's couched in a story. Yeah. And one of the things we need to do is we need to have the client be the hero of this story and uh, the opportunity to, to help them be successful. So when we help them be successful and, and our messages are less about us and more about them, we start to become much more strikingly different. Okay, Scott, I could talk about this stuff all day because <laughs> I so love all this stuff. It's so fun. And I have to tell you, you mentioned something earlier and I'm going to take this away was it's okay to be influenced. Yes. And just yesterday I had an opportunity where I thought, I don't think this room can, can change my mind on things, but I spoke up at this meeting and, and I kind of shared a different point of view based off of the views that were shared in there. And I felt a shift of, of connection and trust that I had not felt before. And I couldn't, probably articulate that yesterday, but talking with you today really just cements that it's okay to be influenced by others and to acknowledge it because it will bridge the trust and, and the communication um, and the relationship to a different level that I wasn't familiar with before. That's beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Well done. Well, what well, you're creating clarity right now. So <laughs> I am very grateful. This is, this is fantastic. Um, do you, I was just thinking as, as we kind of close up, is there anything in particular um, that you'd like to share that maybe we haven't talked about yet? Well, I, I think uh, overall um, in the world of selling, in the world of influence, there are a hundred different varieties of things that you can do. Lots of methodologies, lots of things that, uh, that people have looked for. I think the, the thing that matters most to us is the human element. You know, you're, selling really comes down to two people coming together. And uh, in many cases, they may represent an entire organization on both sides, but how they come together makes a big difference. And we would suggest that people want to meet, not to know something, but to decide something. Isn't that an interesting mindset? So every time that we're meeting, instead of thinking, okay, what are we going to share? Or what do we need to ask? We want to be thinking what decision is the next natural step for this person and how can we enable a good decision in their best interest? If we can have that mindset of enabling decisions, we're going to be far more successful. That's going to help move things down the road. It helps you stay really focused um, with the end in mind um, and it allows you to break it down into tangible steps. And it allows you to have small wins along the way and not feel like you're defeated because you didn't get a big yes at the meeting, but you're able to get the next step. You got a yes. And the next step, you got a yes. So I think that's brilliant. That's, that's wonderful. And plus the customer feels that way. They're not trying to take too big of a step. They're making natural and normal steps. That's fantastic. So tell me, um, Scott, if anyone wants to learn more about you or about this work or, or your new book, where is the best way to, to learn more? Uh, very simple. You can go to franklincovey.com forward slash SDS, strikingly different selling, SDS. And uh, it will take you right to our page. You can get uh, myself or my co-authors information right there. 
you can jump on Amazon and look up Strikingly Different Selling and get a copy of the book, whatever works for you. Um, we hope that it will help you. And that's our full intent is just what can we do to, to help you become much more successful in what you do every day? Scott, I looked online and you have nothing but five stars on Amazon. So I think that's that's fantastic. <laughs> Congratulations. We're fortunate. We feel like people are, are really getting good value out of it. And that makes that just makes us happy because in the end, their success is really what matters. Yes, it is. That's that is wonderful. Scott Savage, you are the managing director of Franklin Covey, found on the web at franklincovey.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. My team and I just want to say thank you for tuning in to the Business Vitality Podcast. We really appreciate you being here. If you know of another leader, another CEO, a founder who has another success story that they are willing to share and be able to pay it forward, we would love to highlight their stories on this podcast. You can find more information at katherinecanty.com. And in the meantime, if you could take a minute and rate this show, that would be super helpful because that's going to allow more people like you to find us in order to continue to pay it forward. Again, if you need to learn any additional information, we are happy to help. You can find us more at katherinecanty.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn with my name, Katherine Canty. Thanks so much for being here.